You're listening to another episode of Our Journey with Melanie and Chris. <coughs> Bless you. I got that I'm recording just for bloopers. You do? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Everyone should know how you sneeze. Okay, ready? Yoo-hoo! We are back. And as as you all may know, I know my mother listens to this podcast avidly. <laughs> so she said, hey, when's the next time you're recording a podcast? And I go, man, we need to be better on that this Sunday. So here we are to give a recap. It's been almost a month since you last heard from me and Chris. Has it really? Yeah, I think the last time it was our story was on December 6th. Wow. So it's a good, that's good feedback for us to improve and be more consistent which, by the way, you're going to hear more about next week because we have a good idea for next week. We're going to talk about the year in review and what's coming up, and it's big. So uh, buckle your seatbelts in a week. But for now, take a listen at this. So <laughs> the other day, Chris came home maybe like a week or two ago, and he said, so I made three people cry at work today. <laughs> so can you explain that? Yeah, when you cry, there's you have tear ducts in your eyes, and there's tears that not come. Oh, what not that crying okay. is. Oh, got it. All right. <laughs> um, so I mean, with coaching, you, I always, I, and I mean it in the best way. Like you, when you reach somebody to their soul, I feel like that's when you actually connect and they cry, because sometimes it's something that they don't want to let out and show other people. Sometimes it's something that they have been like hiding or holding in for a long time. And sometimes it's, you know, tears of like joy of being able to release that and let that go or being able to understand themselves in a different way. And so it's something beautiful to me. I think like crying is a sign of strength and power. And it's something that allows you to release this energy that you have that needs to be released. And it's a purifying, right? Water is a purifying exercise. So if water coming out of you, that's in a sense a purifying exercise. And so I love that. I've never I don't think I've ever heard you say that before yeah, or heard that before. Uh, um, thanks. You're welcome. And so to me, like I don't it's not like because I I'm not like berating somebody so they're crying. <laughs> like, oh you you know, it's more of just we're exploring something and it's something that is truly like hurting them or, you know. Or it could be even something good that's happening, but it's just something amazing to have an experience where you're sitting across some, with somebody and you get to engage with their soul um, and touch it and that they react that way. And it's very it's very um, thrilling and purifying and, and releasing uh, for both people, I think. I agree. And they, they were all different situations. If I remember right, one was like more the hurtful side of like, wow, that's something I don't really give attention to, but that's something that I should start giving attention to. So it can kind of be addressed because obviously it's an issue. And yeah, one, one situation was, you know, something that one was like a growing situation where it's like, man, that is what I needed to hear, and it's been something I've been not wanting to hear for so long. Another situation was, man, I thought I've released that and let that go, and I thought I grew past that, but this conversation is rekindled where I've been kind of burying that and hiding that and keeping that as a blind spot opposed to actually having overcome it. And then another one was just 
a situation where the lady has had a situation with her father and um, she just doesn't know how to handle it and how to care for herself more than she cares for him and put herself above somebody else in a sense to say like, hey, this is what I need from the relationship. It's been too long of what he needs and how it's not healthy and how we can re-engage and reset that and really start to set some healthy boundaries so she can feel more worth inside herself. So cool. I think that makes the biggest difference of those those moments of shifts. Just like I believe in the first podcast of this entire podcasting of <laughs> of malicious. I'm trying to say, oh, episode. Podcasting. <laughs> in the first episode or so, I tell you guys where I went to a Michael Burnoff event and he told me something that pierced my soul, brought me to tears, and it woke me up. And it's those moments I will always remember and they will they will always help me continue to shift. And I mean, that's what it's about, right? That's that to me, the conversation is not so like, I don't think life is to be had of shallow conversations that you go from place to place. I think conversations are to fill something because of the emotions and feelings of what drives us. And it's what creates peak emotional experiences and it makes the biggest impact in our life. So if that's the, if that's what I truly believe to my core, then what a better conversation to have than where you touch somebody's soul because that's something that shifts their life and their beliefs and can shift who they are forever uh, for them to become more of the desired person that they want to be. You know, some people say, what does your husband do? And it's still hard for me to answer that question because I say, in order for you to understand, it's similar to a life coach because what he does is not anything a life coach does, (laughs) but it's similar but in so many ways, it's not similar at all. And I've heard from clients from their own mouth say that you you go above and beyond and you like are shifting the way they've always thought and const- like consistently improving. And I don't know how to explain that still to people. We just got to make like an ad or something. But my I- goal, my goal truly is to help someone feel, accept, love, and live in the emotions that they're so afraid to have in their life or, you know, these situations that are so like, in a sense, they believe are like these negative emotions and feelings that they don't want to feel. So they bury them down. And my goal is to help them learn to work through those and live in those and realize that they're not negative. They're just helping them be the beautiful person they are. And notice how he just said, I hope I want to help people to feel comma and to have love, whatever, but to feel. And I think that's the biggest thing that you help people do is they have human reactions and emotions that some, like there's this society, the Western, American, whatever culture of you swallow it and you don't face it a whole lot of the time. And that's it's that's hard to do and that, that kills you. You're living in your own cage of you can't be yourself because of that. So you, you just, you know, you're, you're giving them the key. And yeah. they have to unlock it themselves. I like that. I think that's well said. And, I, and to me, it, like we, in I feel like a lot of Western society, and I do think just human beings, like we all want to go. Like I just want to be happy. But it's to me the light, the beauty of life, and the beauty of a human being is the yin to the yang. It's not the happiness. It's all the feelings. It's happiness, sadness, joy, empathy. You know, it's all these things that actually make life beautiful and make the individual beautiful. And sometimes we think because it's a negative emotion, we need to like 
push it down and hide it because other people won't love us if we have the negative emotion too. But that's the joy of the life is that all those emotions, that's what makes you incredible. Thank you. So on the days that I drive you crazy, remember that. I do my best to. <laughs> and you don't drive me crazy. I choose to be crazy, but that's okay. That's true. Yeah. Um, so do you have any more to say on that? No, I think that we've okay. beat that to death. <laughs> So uh, if you all don't know already, when I read a book, I kind of go all in. And anytime I'm in conversations where anything is relatable of life, I bring up the book. Just like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I feel like when I was reading that, I would talk to Chris about it. I would bring it up in conversations. Even if it wasn't relevant, I'd make it relevant because I was reading it and it was in my mind. Which is funny because you just bought another five books from Robert Rich Dad Poor Dad is Robert Kiyosaki, just so everybody knows if you don't know that. So you can look him up. He's got. He's a magical, like, he's not magical. He's actually, like, he's financially literate and he's very good about making money and investing it and being educated in finances. And he has a great, like, first story where he was a runner for a long time. And so he wanted to create this thing where people could put, like, money and things in their shoe, like, on a Velcro pack. Because that was going to be the big thing was like to put uh, be, be able to put like a key money in there. So like when you're running and you want to stop somewhere or you need that key and you don't have to carry it with you. And so he puts it. He puts these advertisements in magazines. He's going to make it big and he's got this huge plan. And they post all the they market all these things in all these running magazines. And it comes out and he realizes he made one big huge mistake. He forgot to put anywhere where somebody could contact him. And that was like his first big thing. And his first big failure in a sense, but he learned a ton from it. Um, and he has an he has an incredible story. We'll go on any more of it, but he has an incredible story. And so Mel just bought a, more of his books. It's it was like the I forget what the title is, but there's five or six smaller books that go deeper into specific areas of investing and of um, it's like I don't know. I remember one of the selling points was how to make money off of a house that's not bought. With only $100. And of course, you're like, what does that mean? That sounds easy. I want to make money. What a small investment. But I mean, it wasn't only that. There were so many other things. And I truly understand and enjoy the way he explains things because it makes more sense to a simple-minded woman like myself. So I got... That That is not not, true. It's not simple-minded. It's just a lot of the stuff, the second people talk about taxes, it kind of goes over my head because it's so confusing and I don't want to take the time to remember it. And I will say instead of like saying something negative about yourself, you could say actually the positive thing is that um, I won't go into it, but there's a guy that was back in the 80s, economic guy, and he would be able to explain economics to you, which most people find very confusing. First, I like how you say economics. Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> it, it, I always call it economics. Oh, economics. Okay. Economics, economics. Sure. Um, <laughs> so, potato, potato. So, anyways... Aunt, aunt. So, he he would be able to teach it, and they always say, like, there is difference. Like, where there's a p- teacher where, like, they suck at teaching it. There is a teacher where they're, in a sense, really smart, and they're kind of pretentious, and they teach it. So it's so above the level. And then there's really like an incredible person that's like an expert at it. And what they're able to do is teach it at like any type of level so that a person can understand it. And I think that's probably the key to Robert Kiyosaki is he's, you know, I think, and most people that we enjoy learning from are these people where they figured out how to teach it at a different level. 
where it's easy for most people to understand because that's the goal, right? Is for it to not be confusing. Because if it's if it's a, even a hard topic or an easy topic, if you are not confused by it, you'll receive it better. And so I think the big part that I wanted you to share is you bought some more of the books and you came in the other day and you're like, hey, do you you think we sh-, you know like I can buy these books? And I like first of all, you don't have to ask me that. Second of all, like. I'm always down for if you find a good writer or somebody you love or something that you really like impacts you and you find a really good author to continue with that material, like buying more of his material or her material, because in a sense, it's important to continue that education and it's worth every penny to invest in books and just anything that educates your brain for you to be a better person. Thank you. So right now I'm reading Shoe Dog, which it is that like on the title, it says, a memoir by the creator of Nike, Phil Knight. And this is a book that Chris first read. And he said, I laughed. I cried. You got to read it. I read it. I don't remember crying. Top five books ever. Uh, <laughs> top probably like two of autobiography or like biographies. But And it's not only because it's well written, but Phil Knight, has, it's an incredible story. If you are a fan of Nike, read this. If you are not, read this. I challenge you. If you're a fan of life, the journey of business, and the journey of success, read it. It doesn't matter if you like Nike or not. Like it, the, It's the journey. It is. It's the ups and downs. And without telling you what he says at the end, which is the most important thing, but you'll have to kind of scan through the end if you're trying to just get to the end and like fight, don't scan out through the about. end read the book yeah read the whole <laughs> book but it, it's absolutely amazing it's an absolutely amazing book about like get, getting a team around you understanding the ups and downs understanding like what is truly meaningful out Foreign of life business and like if, business trades and stuff like that and if you want to talk about somebody that's extremely successful we all know nike is extremely successful and if you're young you probably think nike's always been around but it hasn't and the truth of the matter is, from somebody that's so successful, you get to the end of the book and he tells you, like, this was the really the most important part of it. And that's the reason that life is actually more important than just the success at the end. Yeah. And I, this is a book that today we, we donated our, our plasma and I was laying down for like an hour straight just donating away. But while I do that, it's a great time to read because we get paid to read. But... I could not stop. Who, who else wants to get paid to read? Hella. Um, but it's, man, I, I just couldn't stop. There are so many neat things, and I'm not even to the part where, like, Nike is established, and it's such a great read. So if just a little tiny thing is, what are you looking at? You're not close to where Nike's established. Exactly. I'm on page, I mean, like, 36. First of all, the com- here, here's how foolish it is. The company was called Blue Ribbon before. What? What does that even mean? I just read it. It means that I know when what it he means. was, I just mean like nobody would even care. Like no, like we don't ever think of Blue Ribbon. We think of Nike. Of course, I don't think it. We'll read yeah, the book ahead. and it'll make sense why he first said Blue Ribbon <laughs> no, in a moment ahead, of, of wonder. No, they can find out that oh, part. Let okay. me share this other part I want to talk about. But he, so he has this crazy idea, is what he names it because it's the story of like getting shoes into the American um, shoe industry and stuff. Um, so he says, Hey dad, Hey mom, like I want to travel the world. I just graduated, want to travel the world. And his dad goes, you know what? That's a great idea. I'll give you some money to help do that. So he helped him. So anyway, he traveled the world, but he went to Japan. He had a meeting, went great and went fine. It was great. And then he traveled the world. And, and everybody keep in mind when he's traveling the world, he ends up in Japan. And this is like 
not far after it, it's it's after World War II sometime, but it's still like the where was, they they don't yeah. like necessarily we don't necessarily love each other as countries. So he remembers his dad saying, "Are you sure you want to go there? We were just in war with them." And he's even sitting in this meeting and like this is where I don't know how people don't believe in God or a higher power, but he goes like it was like the war did not exist. We were all the same kind of person and we had a wonderful meeting. We were all very respectful. They gave me a, they were very happy to show me a tour of what they had at their facility and he said it was it was like the war didn't even happen. And I think that was that was probably like the best situation he could have been in for his first meeting with with these guys that he ended up, you know, having some business with. Um but I just got to say one a couple things. So when he was going into this meeting, he said this. First of all, he had some friends of friends who lived in Japan and they they kind of knew the way the Japanese do business. So in America, we kind of go like, I won't take no for an answer. I'm going to stomp in here and I'm going to put my foot in the door. And that is not the approach to take with the Japanese. The Japanese are very, um, not timid, they're very, they're very calm about it. It's almost like you'll leave a meeting and you won't know if they're against it, your idea, or for it. Because they kind of were just like, yes and no and very nonchalant, like that's how they do business. And so what Phil said, he said, first, I need to change my whole approach. I was a linear thinker. And according to Zen, like, uh, like, I think it's Buddhist, Zen, um, peace. Um, <laughs> Zen linear thinking is nothing but a delusion. One of the many that keep us unhappy. Reality is nonlinear. Zen says no future, no past, all is now. And I think that is something that I will take with me when I when I have clients in front of me, when I have big meetings, when you and I talk and sit down because we're we're big business partners in a sense. And I think that was really neat. He also said, man, there's just I could talk about this book the whole time, but I'm sure in the next few months as I dive deeper and deeper into it or in the next month because I read it fast, um, you guys will hear a lot more. But one thing I thought was interesting is we all know this Palestine Chapel, Sistine Chapel. Which one Michelangelo painted the ceiling of? Does that sound familiar to you, babe? Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, I I, clearly I I'm not a history buff, but he was saying some... Okay, um, the Sistine Chapel. He goes, I was alone under Michelangelo's ceiling. I was able to wallow in my disbelief. I read in my guidebook that Michelangelo was miserable while painting his masterpiece. And if we all know, that's a big masterpiece where it's like all these... Uh, they're like sitting in the clouds and there's two hands that are about to touch. I don't even know the story behind it, but I know it's something that if you study art or if you have eyeballs and can see, you know what this painting is. And he goes, his back and neck ached, pain, paint felt constantly in his hair and eyes. He couldn't wait to be finished. He told his friends, if, and, and so I don't know, Phil kind of relates to this. And he goes, if Michelangelo didn't like his work, I thought, well, hope is there for the rest of us. But if you think about how gorgeous and beautiful and memorable that is, people go in there and they can't even take pictures because it is that, like, it's fragile, it's good, it's been around forever, he was a genius. And it kind of makes me think, the journey is not always wonderful. Making your masterpiece, paint will fall on your eyes, your neck might ache, you're, you'll complain about it to your friends, but um, just makes you think of, once again, the amazing journey that we all usually go on. Can't wait to feel. I love that. Thank you. All right. Chris, my dear, let's talk about your uh, next venture here. What's gonna, what's in fruition right now? We had a meeting the other day at our home. Oh yeah, I just I met a few good people this year. You know, about midway through the year, and sometimes 
you get going in light. Go. Did we meet Jason in July? Uh, that was June, at the Fourth of July June party. Twenty six was something? when they him and the other gentleman moved in. How cool! Okay. Um. Anyways, so um, we, you know, just these two great guys that I've come to enjoy, and they both are wanting to. They've been wanting to do coaching for a while, or into coaching, um, and we just started hitting it off around June, and then I don't know about a month ago. Or so I brought up just about working together and creating the co- a coaching company together. And it's just amazing to have teammates. It's amazing to have somebody to bounce ideas off, take it to the next level and have people that, you know, you're sharing ideas with. And they're like, oh, that's amazing. That's where I could see myself heading. And um, just to be able to, you know, I think there's there's the old saying of if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. And I used to think in my mind that, oh, man, I'm just going to do this all alone. I'm going to create this company all alone. And it truly, going back to Shoe Dog, there are these parts throughout his journey where you understand the importance of these people that come into his life. And they end up being like the core team of Blue Ribbon at that point, but what ends up becoming Nike. And to me, it's it's amazing because part of the fun and the, the enjoyment of life is creating relationships that will endure for as long as they endure, but something that you get to add value to each other. And so we have very much of a collective mindset of we will bounce ideas and create something amazing because our brain power is far greater together than it is separate. And... Um, I think we're just we're at, we're at a beautiful spot and we have a beautiful opportunity to do something amazing together. Something that will not be done in any other way with any other group because it's all of us are unique in our own way. So we all bring our own value. And um, I just wanted to talk about how important it is to create not even not even business partners but teammates because teammates are better than friends. They're better than business partners. But teammates are people that helps you stay accountable, help hold you up, and help create something amazing together as a team. Um, they're not just in it for like just the money, but they're in it for creating better human beings. Yeah, and I feel that way with Sarah, with her and I figuring out and working side by side. At the very beginning, we said, hey, we're splitting this 50-50. We have more and more established how to be a better team and realize who has what strength and when to step in, when to um, like not do business and just help each other out because we're humans too. And sometimes we have good days or bad days. We want to go through those or something. But I think having those uh, teammates is super awesome. I, I applaud anyone who feels like they can do it together, but I also am sad for them because they're probably not getting as far as they want to get because I really think you need a team. And that common phrase of it takes a village – like, I think it takes a village to do anything, not just raise a baby, because I think that's what that's usually said for. Yeah. Um, but, man, I, I have loved it. And and I even, I hope sometimes, it's probably unsolicited, but I told Chris, like, hey, do you think about, like, this is something me and Sarah do. Maybe this is something you guys could emulate as you get going more in your meetings and stuff like that. Because I've it's kind of cool to find out what works when you have a teammate and you get together often and you have a good schedule of what you do and I just, just, it's exciting. I yeah, love it. I love it too. Yeah. Um, so this last week was Christmas 
Um, and then just before that, was it really last Sunday we went out? Yep. So just before that. Last Saturday and Sunday. You have a good friend who, I don't even know how it got started. I was just happy to be a part of it, and it felt really good. Do you want to kind of share the beginning of how it got started? Yeah, sure. So it's one of the same gentlemen that is now a teammate as far as creating business and collective ideas together. Um, him and I, him and I were just talking, and without divulging too much of his story, he's had some things happen in his past, um, which allowed him to relate to just these people that are homeless. And so, um, in my past, I've never been homeless, luckily. But I, when I lived in Arizona, I would meet people on the street, and I would start to talk with them. And there was a a, a brother and sister that I would put their bags in the back of my car, and I'd travel like I drive it from place to place and I meet them with their stuff and I get them groceries and stuff and so I haven't done that for a long time and so we were talking one day and this was probably two two three months ago and we he was just like hey I want to go out and do some stuff with the homeless and I was like oh I'd love to do that so you know us not being overly prepared we went up and got you know hamburgers from McDonald's and got waters and he had some clothes and we had I don't know, we bought like hand wipes and all these other resources that he thought like these are valuable to give to people. And then that now changed to, hey, let's do that consistently. And then his sister got involved and she put this thing on Facebook and a ton of people, like one guy brought over I think like 95 ham sandwiches, uh, like bags and boxes of clothes and shoes and socks and jackets. And we're in Utah, so it's pretty cold right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in the low 20s you know, low teens. Um, and so we went over Saturday on a Saturday and helped just prepare the stuff and get it all sorted out and together. There really was a lot of different things. And then, um, Mel and them all produced these PB and J's and we threw some water and it produced that. So <laughs> like we didn't like crap them out. We, we smeared we, it on. We, smeared we, it on the bread. we had made an assembly line and we made yeah. pe- like almost a hundred peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, yeah, right? Uh-huh. And then I packaged the water in the little like fruit nu- Nutri-Grain bar in there. And um, then we went out on a Sunday and drove around downtown Salt Lake and found these places where tents and stuff were set up. And we went out and just hopefully raised their spirits a little bit and said Merry Christmas and gave them some food and some water and gave them maybe a little bit of hope and a little bit of warmth. Um, so, And it was nice. There was one, because we went around to three or four areas where there was like a large group of people just with their tents and like, I, I assume that's what they call home. I, I don't know what to call it. But um, but I got in a couple conversations with some woman and they were really sweet. One lady had a pet ferret and two dogs. Her dogs were super cute. The ferret was also very cute. <laughs> um, but we were just kind of talking about it and they were just became like instant friends. And it was a good eye-opener, too, that this, this one woman said, well, well, here's my story. You know, I was, I was moving, and every, like someone stole my truck with everything in it, including my dog. Like, I don't care about everything else. I just wish I had my dog. And then, um, like, my, my husband passed away the same anniversary when my mom passed away. Then my dad soon passed away. And, and it just, it just kind of hit me. Like, this is I, – I feel bad for in the past where – I would avoid eye contact with another human being just because they were just like they have a huge backpack on their back about all their belongings and they're walking down the street. And I don't I don't think that's very fair. And um, I don't know. It's just they, she was super nice. I hugged a few of them. They were super. I mean, they're people, too. So they <laughs> they have feelings. They have um, 
their own stories and you never know where they're coming from. So it was a good eye opener. And we were all talking again of next time, let's use this resource to ask for clothes and stuff. Because, I mean, if you juice your neighborhood out soon enough, you're not going to have any like clothes that people are going to give away. But we were just thinking of like, oh, how do we expand this and make this bigger? Let's get more people here. Let's let's find out what what people need more of in the different seasons. Like obviously this time boots and socks and shoes and jackets were really nice. Oh, and some beanies and gloves. Um, but in the summertime, like maybe not so much. So um, and it was just crazy. It was a really good eye opener. It felt it felt really good. And a lot of us, it was our first time um, doing that in that capacity. And it was it was really sweet. And I'm excited to do it again. And, and I think the truth is we all need to remember that well, one of my favorite sayings is, and my wife would tell you I have a hundred favorite sayings, but this is one <laughs> he of He says that every single time. Not once have I heard you say, oh, here's a quote I remember. You always go, oh, one of my favorite quotes is. <laughs> That's the reason I remember them. Uh, but it, I, think it, I think it was T.D. Jakes and he says, we're all the blind men trying to cross the road at some point and we need somebody to help us across. And I think it's easy to look at people but I, I do my best to remember that it could be one decision or one death and not knowing how to handle it in a, an emotionally and feeling um, healthy way that could end us, uh, any of us up, out, you know, on the street. And again, we're all the blind man. Sometimes we just need a help, hand up. And that's the reason it's awesome to go do something like that. Yeah. So if it's anyone. It's also very humbling. It makes you super grateful for what you have. Absolutely. So I, I think I've shared with you all before. I in my statistics on the on the 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 app creation that I use to make this podcast, I can't tell where exactly you live, which is good. Um, but also, <laughs> I don't want to stalk you. I kind of do because I'm excited that you subscribe to this. Um, but if you are local to Utah, if you're in Utah at all, we would love to have you. If you want to be a part of that, next time we go out. Um, we would love for you to donate anything you have lying around that you're not using that someone else could use, whether it be clothes or, um, I don't know. I'm or, thinking mostly clothes. Or like, you know, you don't need to send us money, but you could also, we could tell you like a Walmart that's close and you could order PB&J through the internet and we could go pick up the PBJ bread and go make peanut butter and jelly or whatever, right? It doesn't have yeah, to be like true. you sending us money if you don't feel comfortable with that because maybe you don't know us that well. But you could order some food products or, hey, I just ordered – I just bought all their white socks. It was 25 packs of white socks at Costco or you know wherever and we'll go pick them up and take them to the people that need them. Yeah, and I – I didn't ask any consent. I didn't. I did my best not to get faces, but I made a couple, like a little video, um, of this. So I, I don't know. I don't care. I'm not going to post that because I don't care to do that for. Hey, look at us. We're like handing stuff out to the homeless. But um, if you're curious to see like where your stuff is going, I'd love to send it to you, I, so that you can kind of see like the the people you're impacting. I also think it's you know like I I think there is a thin line. Obviously, besides like hey, look at me. And what I'm doing, and I would say also like, hey, look at what we're doing to impact the world. Like you can do that too, because mm-hmm. when other, because there's plenty of bad stuff out there on the internet and on social media. So why not also be the person that promotes the good stuff? Like it, it, we shouldn't just be feeling like we shouldn't promote the good stuff. And to me, again, it's where your heart is, right? Like if your heart is like, hey, man, look at this. We can all make a difference, even if it's just you know one meal that we buy somebody else. Um, I think that's also something to look at. I love that. So 
that is kind of our month recap. Next week is going to be a great episode. So like I said, get your seatbelt ready because you'll want to buckle in. Fireworks, fireworks. It's the new year. (laughs) Is that what they sound like? I don't know. Uh, oh and also my <clears throat> over christmas we just gotta say real quick my mom is is she loves tiktok <laughs> and i think it's the funnest thing in the world so we'll often send each other tiktoks back and forth or say oh you got to do this you got to do that so while we were all together for christmas chris and i did a few tiktoks and today she texted me and said <clears throat> so on my usual tiktoks i get maybe 300 to 500 views but you guys, you brought me to 2,700. I go, mom, you're making you TikTok famous. <laughs> so if if you're if you're into that, or I know there's a whole thing against TikTok using, um, but if you want to stay on the good side, you want to follow my mom and me, and you'll have a good time. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. Do you have anything to say, babe? Nope. Thanks. We look forward to wrapping up the end of the year next or next podcast, and uh, we look forward to continuing this beautiful journey in 2021. The best is yet to come. There you go.